Hello, guys, and welcome back to another episode of Crooked Illness. If you are new here, my name is Paris Brinkevich, and I am the creator and host of the Crooked Illness podcast, where we get into all things health-related. The primary focus of the podcast within the umbrella of health-related topics is mental health and mindset. I began Crooked Illness as a way to motivate, inspire, empower, and educate people on these interesting topics. My background and passion for starting Crooked Illness stems from the field of psychology. After completing both my BA in psychology and MBA in healthcare administration, my passion for mental health only continued to grow. As a result of this, I decided to start Crooked Illness to bring more awareness, tips, and conversations to the table about these topics. I offer my perspective on the work I've done and how it inspired me to begin this podcast. Along with this perspective, I also speak about my personal experience with mental health and how I use those experiences to help educate, inspire, and motivate others. I really enjoy doing interviews and connecting with people who also love to discuss and learn more about mental health. If you would like to learn more, become a guest, or connect, feel free to reach out to me by shooting me a message on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, or to my email of crookedillness at gmail.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Crooked Illness. You guys can see from the title of this episode, we are going to be getting into normalizing mental health conversations. And I'm excited about this episode because my guest on this episode is really amazing. She reached out to me and I was so glad to connect with her and have her come on here and have this conversation, talk about the work that she's doing, why it's important, what she's gotten out of doing it, and all of the things like that. But I wanted to record this short little intro thing for you guys to let you know a little bit about what this episode is going to cover, as I do with all the episodes, just giving you like a little sneak peek into what we're talking about why I decided I wanted to have this conversation and what value I think it's going to bring to you who's listening to this right now. So as you guys know, basically the entire point of my podcast is related to mental health and mindset and bringing more of those conversations to the table, making it more normalize to talk about these things and to continue to work towards ending the stigma that's associated with all of that as well. So having her come on and really get into the difference between exploring this in a compassionate way versus a critical way. And I thought that was a really interesting thing to talk about just because I feel like for for the for the longest time for me, you know, when it comes to talking about anything related to mental mental health, mental illness, we I always used to approach it in a more critical way and not understanding the importance of having self-compassion and what that really brings about for you in that moment in your life when you have that for yourself. And what does that do? What does that look like? What does it mean? And we get into this whole conversation on that along with therapy as well. We talk more about that because I know I've done, you know, some episodes in the past where I've mentioned, you know, my experiences with therapy. Other people have talked about their experiences, what they've got out of it, what they think, you know, benefits, benefits they receive from doing that. So we talk about that as well. And she is also a psychotherapist. So there you go. I'm revealing a little bit, (laughs) a little bit about who, who she is before we even get into the episode. But she also has really great advice for people who, you know, are 
considering maybe going to therapy. Maybe they've never gone. They don't know what it's like. They don't know what to expect. They're afraid. They're, they don't think they're going to get anything out of it. She has really great tips and advice for that because she's also had clients who were who were that way at one point as well. So she gets into that along with the types of clients she works with and mainly, you know, being high achievers and caregivers and how when you're in that role, you often forget about your own self because the work that you're doing is so dedicated for someone else and something outside of your own self that you really forget to take care of yourself. And what does that look like for you? And what are, what are the down, the drawbacks from that? So we get into that, we get into, you know, a little bit of, I do with my experience more on therapy, you know, what my, what my thoughts were on that as well. So I think this is going to be a really awesome episode. She's such a great person, such an awesome, super exciting energy. And it was so great, you know, being able to sit down virtually chat with her and create this together to really, to really get into how to normalize more conversations around mental health. So that's what this episode is all about today, you guys. And I hope that you enjoy this one as always. And if you'd ever like to get in touch with me, you know, you can always shoot me an email, crookedillness at gmail.com or check me out on Instagram at crookedillness. All right, guys. Thank you. Hello, guys. And welcome back to a new episode of Crooked Illness. As you guys can see from the title of today's episode, we are going to be getting into what it means to normalize mental health conversations. Here to join me in discussing this topic today is my guest, Cynthia Ciadot. Cynthia is a psychotherapist in California specializing in working with trauma and high achievers. I'm happy to have Cynthia here to get into this topic along with the work she is doing to continue to normalize conversations on mental health and therapy. So without further ado, welcome Cynthia to the podcast. Hello. Hi. Hello. Welcome, welcome. Excited Thank to you. have you here today. <laughs> Me too. Yes. Oh. So yes. Yeah, so let's get, let's just dive right into this. So I want to sure. hear from you. So, you know, when it comes to talking about mental health. How do you think people can go about exploring that in a more compassionate way versus a critical way? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I like to do a lot of my work around compassionate self-awareness. So mm-hmm. one of the things that I really encourage my clients to do is like really pay attention, key into that little voice in the head that's like saying, I know this will happen, or I know that will happen. I know I am this. I know I am that. Um, anytime a thought feels like, or or a thought starts with, I know, Mm -hmm. I would, I would recommend you taking a little bit of a closer look at it and then ask yourself some questions. Like, do I know that? It's like, do I know Mm -hmm. that for certain? How do I know that? Um, and it's really with this kind of like curiosity and, and looking into it that I think we can, as best we can, right? As best as we've been taught or not taught uh, to explore what's going on with us. And so I think, yeah, some of, some of the critical things come from that very thing, the, I know I am this, I know I am that. And Mm. so, and uh, you know, we're, we're getting more and more familiar with that as like a wider culture, but it is that critical voice and it does like to know 
It doesn't like to sit in the areas of like not knowing. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it actually like not knowing is like ripe ground for anxiety. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, in those moments, you know, take an exhale, just take a look, you know, what's going on. What? Yeah. Cause it almost seems like, you know, when you bring up that point of the role that I know plays mm-hmm. in the critical piece, you know, compared with having more compassion mm-hmm. when it comes to talk, you know, talking about mental health, just in general, you know, whether it be yourself or someone, you know, cause I feel like when you're sitting there and you're saying, you know, it's harder to come out of that place of, cause you, like you said, you want to know, you want to have certainty, you want to know what's going on. Cause when you don't, then that opens the door for worry, anxiety, all these feelings of, yeah. you know, being overwhelmed. And then that makes it even worse. Oof. So, yeah. you know, with being able to, so like for, for like, what would you recommend, you know, for someone who's struggling to come out of that place of, like, I know this and they're not, they can't really look at anything else besides that. Yeah. It's really just reminding, like, here's uh, asking, asking us a question around, like, have I ever known something as like securely as I know it now and Mm. kind of been proved wrong or like been, been told something way different than something I expected? Has that ever happened? And just like entertaining and keeping a little bit of a crack in the door of it's possible that it is, you know, it's not everything is as, as it seems for me. Wow. Um, and, and so, you know, sometimes uh, somebody asked me this on one of my Q and A's recently is like, how do I like not stay angry when I, when I just feel it and I feel like I'm stuck. I don't feel like I have any room. Mm. Um, one of the really practical tools I like to give my, my clients is the word yet mm, and, okay. and at tagging it on to the end. So whatever it is, it's like, I don't have room to think yet. I don't have, you know, the answer yet, you know, is, is like just, it, it just does enough for our mental well-being to like keep just a sliver of that door open rather than shutting it on us. I think that's really great. To, to have that option to put, to put that at the end of it, right. To put that yeah. at the end of your sentences, you know, because that opens the door to exploring more options, right. Than feeling like yeah. you're stuck. Like I'm in this oh. place. I can't get out of this because like you said, you know, I can't think yep. period, you yep. know, that's like, that's yep. a scary place to be, be in. But then yet when you add that, you know, in the moment and you can, you have that ability to like, you know, dive deeper into that and say, you know, maybe not right now, like yeah. right here in this moment, but mm-hmm. there's a possibility for that and for growth. And I love, you know, just adding, you know, the power that does when you add one, one, one thing to the end of that, like one three letter word. I mean, it, it's so important of how we talk with ourselves, you know, it's like mm-hmm. if we're, you know, we can think of our thoughts and our words as like food for our brain mm-hmm. and like any of those like critical things, any of those like really stressful things that we tend to focus on or, you know, be with, um, those we can kind of consider junk food. Nice every now and again, you know, sometimes it can be motivating or like delicious, like a delicious treat for the brain. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But then, you know, just really like these, I I really strongly believe in my practice that words, the words we use matter. Mm. And so, you know, I really found that this word yet 
works. Um, and another one that I was recently sharing with a client was like, like if you're thinking some thought, it was like, oh, that's a disaster. <laughs> Adding, oh, well, <laughs> to the end. <laughs> um, and, and just like trying to, I think if you can have that kind of a, an option in those mm. when you really feel stuck, like it's one word, two words. Um, I think that most people could, could, you know, comfortably remember yet or, oh, yeah, well. that's so, that's so true. And I feel like, you know, that brings me back to something we, you mentioned last time we talked. So last time we talked, you made a really interesting comparison between the two types of clients you work with. So high achievers and caregivers, mm -hmm. uh, you described something they had in common being the output is for someone else and generally not for themselves. So can you tell me a, more about what, what this comparison means? Yeah. Yeah. So this is this comparison. So uh, first of all, like I started working with high achievers and caregivers because these are two identities. Like I know myself, <laughs> like these yeah. are identities that I've ascribed to myself many a time, still do, you know, still have somewhere in the back of my mind and sometimes front. Um, but, <laughs> but one of the things that I find is just so similar between the two is that if you are a high achiever, you are going, going, going for either the respect or prestige or the sense of accomplishment, you know, the admiration of someone else mm. or sometimes for the benefit of someone else. You know, is like, um, like I used to run a program and it was for the benefit of my clients. I loved my clients. So I was like doing every other thing, every single thing I could think of. Um, and, and then in terms of being a caregiver, you're doing a much of the same. It's like you're trying to make sure that your loved one, uh, whoever it is, a friend, a family member, it has what they need. And I mean, we, we, we know how hard it is in general to just take care of us, mm -hmm. you know, ima imagining ourselves taking care of another person or like uh, on top of trying to take care of ourselves. Yeah. That's a wow. big task, even if it's just one person. Um, and so, so when I think about high achievers and caregivers, I think about pe the kinds of people who just they put it out for everybody else and it's a lovely quality. I think it's like one of those things that's really of service to other people. Mm -hmm. um, and I also find that a similarity is that some of that output, some of that good love stuff that they give out to other people doesn't necessarily always come back. Yeah. Like it it, it mm. tends to like stay out here versus, you know, tricking it, like having it turn around and trick it to come back. Yeah, I love how I love how when we were talking you made that comparison because that was something that I thought was so like it just stuck with me and I'm like we're going to I want to talk more about this with her because I thought that was so interesting to, to notice that because you know when it comes to like what you just said, you know, with high achievers mm -hmm. and ca caregivers, you're giving so much of your time for something outside of yourself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe the purpose is to serve this other person, get this accomplishment, mm -hmm. have this achievement, meet this deadline, meet this goal or whatever the, the end result of that is. It's yeah. usually for something outside of you. Yeah. And I love how you, you mentioned that and how, you know, sometimes when it's like that, you forget to bring that love back to your own self because you're mm -hmm. so focused mm -hmm. on this. And I feel like 
in, in having that happen, it almost makes it harder for that person to say, okay, you know, I think I need help with something, or I think I need to, you know, work on this because, you know, you're just, you're so used to going, going, going that it's like, and you're sitting there and you're like, wait, you, now I have to fix my own self and work on me. It's like, Like, I don't have time. Like, here's the thing. Like, I know that when I would try to like purposefully, like slow things down, try to take time for myself, it it would be like a Saturday. I'm like fully clear, nothing on my schedule. I would try to attack, like literally attack my self-care. Like I execute my days at work, Mm. you know, it's like, okay, first at 10 o'clock, I'm going to go for a walk and then 11 o'clock and I'm going to meditate. And then 12 o'clock, I'm going to have a great lunch. And then at one, you know, like, and I'm just like doing this because I mean, how could, how could we not, Mm -hmm. you know, if we're spending 40 at that time, I was like spending sometimes 50 or 60 hours doing this thing that was so rapid. Mm -hmm. It's hard to take one day and then slow it down. You know, it's like that that kind of adds a level of pressure. Like, like you were saying, like not enough time. I, I didn't have that sense of this was enough time because I was like trying to pack it all in mm-hmm. <laughs> into that one day off for those two days off. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, in doing that, the fact that you're, you're overwhelming your own self, cause you're trying it, you're like, okay, I need to make Cause you know, you're aware, like I need yep. time for me, but yep. you're like, I'll do it on Saturday. And then yeah. when you, when Saturday comes, it's like, okay, I gotta, I gotta do this here, this. And it's, it almost feels like it's a chore and not something that you're doing for you. It's like, okay, I need to do this. But then it's like, when you're doing those things, like, what are you like, are yeah. you actually, you know, I mean, in the moment? Are you I like, mean, have you, have you ever done this? This is definitely a common, common occurrence for me is like, I will say, I'm going to do this on Saturday. Saturday comes. I am exhausted. Mm-hmm. I don't do it. And then I'm stuck in this place mentally of like, oh, I should have done it. Oh, well, you know. <laughs> All why, the time. Yeah. You know, it, it's just, I mean, it's just so much pressure. And, and I think those, uh, one of the things that we are, we hear, but aren't necessarily taught is that kind of moderation. Mm-hmm. It's like, not all at once. Let's spread it out during the week. Let's mm. do little things here and there versus like all on one day. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I definitely, I was definitely taught that it was like, when we go on vacation, we go on vacation hard. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but I love that. Cause it's, it's so true. You know, when you say, cause I feel like that happens a lot, even tomorrow, for example, like I'm some friends are like, let's go hiking. And I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, let's see if it happens. You know, like, let's see if we do totally. it. If we, if we make it. Oh my gosh. And there's like that pre-dread. <laughs> yeah. And you're, you're like, cause I feel like scheduling you get so, yeah, let's do it. Let's plan it. Let's do it. And then it's like, yep. here yep. it comes like 7am, 8am, whatever it is. Are you going to go? And yeah. you know, it's like, it's crazy. Cause when you want to tie that back to, you know, basically, you know, the whole topic here of just normalizing mm-hmm. these conversations, right? Because I feel like when you are somebody who is a high achiever, a caregiver, mm-hmm. or whatever, you know, kind of role you're in where, mm-hmm. you know, you don't, it's, it doesn't seem normal for you to talk yeah. about, you know, okay, like I'm, you know, like, you know, someone who's going through something, experiencing anxiety, you know, going through a period of depression, it doesn't seem normal to that person to, to talk about it. And I love how last time we talked, you know, you brought up the point of, you know, having, 
an outlet, someone, you know, like in the work you do with your clients, you know, having that thing where someone can come to you and Mm -hmm. talk to you about these things. Like, like, I want to, I want to hear from you, you know, where do you think that comes from? You know, is it, what is the root? What do you think is at the root of people like that feeling like they can't talk about it or they can't go to therapy? I can't, I just can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. I I think a big piece of, of talking about our mental health is like having the words Mm -hmm. and like, we just plain and simply weren't taught, you know, like the, or, or the last time that we learned, we were like in kindergarten, you know, it was like, we're happy, we're sad, we're mad, we're, you know, like, it's very, it's like over, it's like very simple, appropriate to the age, but then what happens as we grow older is it gets so much more complicated, Mm -hmm. and then there's annoyance and disgust, and there's like dread, and there's frustration, you know, and we, like, I never, until I got into like, and even a little bit, even in my master's program, (laughs) like, you know, didn't really get into what are these emotions? What, what are they? How come, you know, what is this feeling? Is it, and sometimes there's really no word for it, which is also a totally separate, you know, dealing with, but like, I think some of the shame is, is connected to like, I'm going to get it wrong if Mm -hmm. I try, like, Mm -hmm. and, and like, when we try anything, like, we're going to get things wrong sometimes, Mm -hmm. but, but we are also going to get things right. Sometimes there, there might be more wrong times. (laughs) Like (laughs) I I don't mean to say like, you know, it's like even, but there might just be more wrong times. And I know for myself, there's just been certainly more wrong times. I mean, perfect example is like trying to do my self-care perfectly. Mm. You know, it's like, I was trying to win the game of self-care. And in the process, I lost. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, oh, no. wow. I, you know, and, and kind of led myself into like a real, real deep depression. And I was like, oh my God, I was trying so hard. Um, and then that just yielded more. Yeah. But yeah so that's where that comes from. That brings me back to, you know, the, the, when you bring up that, uh, point of failing, you know, not, not knowing the words and feeling like if you do, you're not going to get it right. And it's not going to mm-hmm. come across right. That kind of brings mm-hmm. up the, the point of shame and carrying mm-hmm. shame with that. Cause I know, you know, for both of us, you know, we talked a lot about how, how we both grew up with mental health being shamed more than anything. Yep. And, you know, so can you describe for me, you know, where, where, where do you think this association with shame comes from with mental health? Yeah. I, I think for many of us, it stems from where, like, we, we weren't born with shame. Mm-hmm. Like, we were born, we were little babies, and we were like little tiny miracles of like flesh and bone, you know? But then at some point along the way, either through, you know, our sensing, our body is such a, um, such a good tool for that, for sensing other people's emotion. But like, think of this, for example, like, a uh, mom like is in some public place, her child cries, you know, there's some shame there. Mm-hmm. There's some shame that, that, that um, women, mothers, fathers have been taught to have around like, oh, your baby's crying. Like you, you need to go take care of that. Yeah. You know, it's like, there's, there's, it, it's so, such a societal thing at this point. I, I really, I mean, if I think about just like, 
you like history. I think a great deal of it comes from like some roots in some like religious sense, like a moralistic kind of thing mm. of like, oh, you should, I, I don't know, like there is like there is a right way and there is a wrong way. Mm-hmm. And then if you do the wrong way, oh, shame on you. You should have done it this way. Yeah. And, you know? Wow. Because I remember talking to you about this and, you know, especially, you know, like when we were mentioning like growing up, you know, and, Mm -hmm. you know, having, you know, your parents are like, okay, like, why are you acting that way? Or, you know, especially like being a kid who's like overly, you know, like all over the place. And I feel like that's kind of, you know, like you were saying that too. And then for me too, I'm like thinking, you know, I remember being told like, you can't, you can't do this, can't say this. And if you do, and then, you know, if you are showing emotion and it's, it's so almost contradicting um, because for me, you know, like it's, it's contradicting because, you know, like the point you brought up of being, being younger when you're in school and they teach you, you know, I'm happy, I'm sad, I'm angry. And then you, you're, you should say that, you know, you should talk about that. And then it's like, you know, like growing up, your parents are like, no, like stop crying. Don't act like that. And I feel like, especially, you know, when you learn that young, like it stays with you and it sticks with you and you're like, okay, like I shouldn't, I shouldn't be telling people, you know, that I'm not feeling Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sad right now. I shouldn't be talking mm-hmm. about that. Mm-hmm. And I feel mm-hmm. like, do you think maybe that's like part of the, that's something that contributes to that? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's like these little micro moments of childhood where we start to develop these things and with a child's logic, right? Like, you know, it's when a, <laughs> I'll use my own example because I think it's just this, right now. I think it's hilarious. I think as a child, it was really devastating, <laughs> but like, when I would cry, my mom would say, stop, don't cry. You know, like there's nothing to cry about. You're healthy. You have a home, you have, uh, you know, and then, so here comes like the, the added levels of like guilt Mm -hmm. and then like a sense of, oh, I'm being ungrateful somehow for the things that I do have Mm. or, you know, like, and, and these are even slightly further beyond. I want to say those started to develop in like middle school years, teen years, but like as a kid, when we are, when we're below the age of six, our parents are our world. So if mm-hmm. we, if we see, if we intuit and feel their like disappointment or they're like trying to tamper us, if we're fr- feeling a certain way, like we, we internalize that then again with a child's logic of like, I'm bad or I'm wrong or mm-hmm. I shouldn't do that because that's not what I'm supposed to do. You know, like the, that's, that's what happens with young people, with, with little people, like yeah. especially with little people. So those stick for a long, long time. Yeah. And I, I feel like that's really true too, you know, especially when you're, you know, you know, basically coming from, you know, the backgrounds that you have and where, you know, how you were raised and what you were told and, you know, this is right, this is wrong. You can't do that. And it's, it, it stays with you in a way that you start to feel, you know, guilt, like you said, for not appreciating, appreciating what you do have or, mm-hmm. and, you know, it starts to feel like, you know, you're, you're wrong or something, something sure. is going when, on when, with you. When the reality is like, you can, you can feel bad and be grateful at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's like there, there's like, and sometimes there's like our bodies, uh, they do their own thing a lot of the time. I mean, it breathes on its own, it beats on its own, you know, like it, it's doing a lot of involuntary things for us already. You know, one of the things is like feelings. Sometimes we experience some sensation in us that then can cause some emotion. Like, you know, if we're, if our, 
our chest is tightening. We're like, oh my gosh, like, what is that? And then we start yeah. to feel a little anxious or, you know, or contrary, like on the other side of it, it's like, oh, I'm like, my shoulders are tight, you know, like, and maybe you were just hunched, you know, it was like, maybe that's just yeah. what was happening. But then you're, but then when you sit up and you're like this, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so tense. Like, why am I so tense? You know? And yeah. So we're, you know, Anyway, I, I'm kind of going into a different topic there, but, <laughs> but that's, it's, it's crazy. Cause you know, when, when you bring that up, you know, mm-hmm. when you're experiencing that, like in your own body, and mm-hmm. then also at the same, you know, at the same point of that, of wanting to seek mm-hmm. help or talk about whatever it is, yeah. you know, I want to ask you, you know, what is, what is it about therapy? Um, do you think that makes some people feel like they won't get any benefit from it? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think there's lots of different things, but I think that it is genuinely like intuitively hard. Mm. Like I I think people, when they think about therapy and hear, hearing the things that they might hear about it, it's like, yeah, you're going in there, you're thinking about you, your past, your feelings. That's hard. Mm. You know, it's not, it's not easy. It's definitely not for the faint of heart. And, And like any, any kind of stigma around like people who go to therapy are weak. I'm like, Mm. like they are some of the strongest people that I have ever met, you know, and, and then to boot, they're like really generous, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, like this is just (laughs) like a real, real example, exemplary human. And then, you know, and so I think that part of that is, is, is that, and like, I don't know. I feel like there's also experienced things that people can come across other people who have been in therapy and maybe they've got, I don't know, they've had a bad experience with that person. Mm -hmm. And so then they might associate like, well, they were in therapy and that still happened between us, you know, and, or that still, they still did that to me, Mm. you know? And and so I think that there's, and, and there's, probably other ways that I'm not thinking of right now, but there's probably so many, I feel like there's, there's so many reasons, but you know, all the ones you brought up, I feel like are so relatable because if you, you know, if you're somebody who doesn't, you know, maybe you're trying therapy for the first, for the first time, or you're about to go, but then you have a friend or somebody who had a bad experience and tells you that might make you be like, okay, you know, why am I going to go do this? You know, my friend didn't. And I feel like, you know, maybe going into it, you know, you're not, completely. And I I like, I like how you brought that up of, you know, the people who go are stronger Mm -hmm. than those who, you know, don't, because it takes Mm -hmm. so much out of you to like, put that out there and like, say these things, talk about, you know, these moments that are hard, because I feel like it's, it is easier to not Mm -hmm. do that. Mm -hmm. Um, and I definitely understand, you know, the the whole stigma around that. Cause I know I've definitely for myself, you know, when I was younger, I was, I did therapy and, you know, so I was at my psychiatrist counseling and stuff like that. But I know, Mm -hmm. you know, I remember like, you know, different people, like my mom and different people were like, okay, therapy, you know, like, I don't, I would never go, you know, like I would never do that, but, but you like, you're my kid, you're going, you do that. (laughs) You you need it. I'm putting you in it, but me, no. Cause I remember being like, what if we go and like do it together? Like, you know, do this. And it was just like, no. No. And I feel like I'm sitting there and I'm trying to think, you know, like, where did this come from? You know, where did this, like this? No, like I'm so against it, you know? And I'm, and I'm, I feel like it's, you know, the fact that you are almost, well, you are exposing yourself in front of someone that you don't, you know, and I, it's, but 
to, to really I mean, sit there. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you liken it to like something like, like a surgery, mm-hmm. right? Like if you liken it to our physical ailments, it's, it's almost the equivalent of like a mental surgery. Mm-hmm. You are going in deep. You're not really like, you have to, you have to do it with care and with somebody who knows it really well, you know? And, and so it's like a, it's, it, our internal worlds are so rich and so constant mm-hmm. and always changing. Like, it's just like, it, it's uncharted terrain. So I think that, that like kind of expectedly so, we kind of fear what we don't know, mm-hmm. you know? And oh, so, yeah. So like, who, I, I, I've definitely heard a number of people say to me, even when they've put themselves in therapy, they're like, I don't, I don't want to see what's back there. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like I don't, I don't necessarily <laughs> want to go there. I don't want to. And, and something that I, I tell all like basically, or most of my clients, I don't say all, cause that's not true. <laughs> but most of my clients is like, we don't need to go where you don't want to go. Mm. And, and like, you know, some folks think like, oh, well, if I go to therapy, I have to like go all the way back to my childhood. I have to talk about that. You don't have to do anything. Mm-hmm. I literally have had clients come in and sleep because that's all they needed. Mm-hmm. They just needed someplace safe to sleep. Wow. I love that you bring that up of, you know, the fact that you don't, you don't have to do anything. Cause I feel like there is almost this, this like preconceived notion that when you go in there, you have to talk, like, I'm going to have to talk about this and I don't want to, but I'm going to have to do it, you know, cause mm-hmm. I'm here. Mm-hmm. And I love that you put that out there to, to, to have that as a thing that, you know, if you don't want to talk about this, you don't have to, if you don't want to talk, you don't have to, you know, whatever, whatever it is that you want to want to do, you can do it. And I love yeah. that you lay that out there. Cause I feel like there's so many people who think, who might think that, who I, mean, I thought that yeah I thought that going in for sure I mm-hmm. was like I, I I was like talking about these things and I was like oh like in my in my thoughts as I was in my first several therapy sessions like should I go there should I say that like and like there was a piece of me here with that therapist mm-hmm. and then there was a piece of me that was in my mind like like kind of like monitoring the ins and outs. Yeah. You know? And and that's just exhausting. You know, mm. it's like if if we can like tune in with ourselves and say like, you know, I just don't want to go there today. And even better if we can say it to somebody else because like that is like that's gold. Mm-hmm. Is like being able to be attuned with what you want and then say that you don't want that or you do want this. Like that's that's like the key to much of our wellness. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. I feel like, you know, when it comes to really normalizing those -hmm. conversations around mental health, if you, if you do that, and I'm not saying like you have, like you have to try therapy, like go do it. No, like, like if you do it and you get a benefit and almost, cause I feel like if you go in, you know, closed off and then you feel, you know, you're taught with the therapist and you're working through things and it's helping you, it's working. Then you almost feel like, okay, you know, why am I so afraid? of talking about this stuff, you know, it like opens the door for you not to be so, you know, fearful or whatever it is that stigma that you attach to your own experience or, you know, maybe thinking, you know, other people will think I'm like weird or judge me or not, you know, Mm -hmm. they don't want to get into this, but it almost opens that door for like being more comfortable and getting into that. And I feel like once you're more comfortable, just think of like, 
you know, all the people that you could help that you don't even know you totally, I mean, how, how, how many times have I heard somebody share with me about their mental health? And then I'm like, Oh, like even clients of mine, like I'll, I'll hear them talk about something and I'm like, Oh, that's a really adept way to talk about that. Like that, that makes sense. That rings true. And part of, part of what I think getting to share our story in, in whatever medium it is, is that chances are somebody can relate to that. Mm -hmm. And, and the, the biggest, the worst thing for our mental health is a sense of isolation. Mm -hmm. And so if you can, if you can put to words, if you can like share your story, if you can just say, Hey, I feel kind of funky. I don't really know what this is, but I'm feeling that's where I'm at today. Like people will connect that people will understand that. And like, like, I think I was thinking as, as we were talking just now about like being fearful of like what will uncover. Mm. And I think sometimes for caregivers or high achievers, there's a sense of like, like, um, uh, what's that called? Uh, like being a fraud. Oh, okay. Yeah. Imposter, imposter syndrome type stuff. And, And, and like for the high achiever, it's like, I, somebody's going to find out like, I'm not actually Mm. this thing. And then for caregivers, it tends to be like, I'm totally ill-equipped to be doing the thing that I'm doing. Similar flavor, different, you know, different thing, but different specifics. But, but that is, that is a thought that isn't necessarily true. Mm -hmm. It's like, but you won't know, you know, we won't know unless we start to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. And just putting that out there. Cause I feel like we all have these, you know, fears and things that we're, you know, afraid of happening that Mm -hmm. we've, you know, the story we created in our our own head of like, if I do this, this will happen. And it's going to happen like this. And it's, and it's, it's a thing. It's like, if you really talk about it, like what is the worst thing, you know, or it's like, I'm sitting there. I was, I think I was talking to like, I, I literally said something of, you know, what's going to happen if you put that out there? Like, are you going to die? Is everyone going to die? Is the world it's, it's done. Everything's over. You know, it's like, it's, is it that, is it like that, you know? And it's, Mm -hmm. I feel like sometimes we can, we can make it like that for ourselves. Totally. It's, it's the kind of words that we feed to ourselves. It's like, if I share, like I was on a podcast the other day and I shared about my own mental health journey. Right. Yeah. And like, I'm sharing about things that some of them are new, like new to be shared with more public. And and I had these thoughts of like, Oh God, like what's going to happen with that? Like, that's awesome. My colleague going to share, you know, is my colleague going to hear that? Is my client going to hear that? And then I caught myself because I, I have been in therapy, (laughs) you know, myself doing my own work for, for quite some time, but like I could see that happening with myself. And then I came to the re-remembering because sometimes conveniently so my, my depression or my anxiety has me thinking or or, or having um, a total like memory lapse. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like I have for the things that I cared about is like, well, you know, I really want to normalize these things. And, you know, when I get to share about these parts of myself that I do feel that kind of shame about, I do feel that kind of um, pain about with myself, I tend to feel lighter. I tend to feel like it's like bringing something out of the dark into the light. Mm. And I just, you know, it it is a part of normalizing mental health. And, and so that was just like my new level 
of like, okay, this is really a new level for me of me normalizing my mental health or normalizing mental health in general. Yeah. And I feel like when, you know, whenever I hear about people doing stuff like that, it all, it makes me, cause I feel like anybody has like, you can relate to some piece of that, you know, you mm -hmm. talking about your own thing, your own story. Like this is yeah. like my experience, you know, like what I'm doing. And it's, yeah. and also like the fact that you work with clients. And I feel like for me, you know, like if I was, you know, younger. And I remember like being in therapy and learning, you know, my therapist went, went through this. I'd be like, wow. You know, it's like almost, it, it's almost like, like for me, it's almost like having, I don't want, it sounds weird to say like more respect for someone. Cause it, I don't, I don't know what it is, but it's like more just like having more of a connection with that person. Yes. Cause I feel like, and you know, sometimes it's about, yeah. Like when you go in, like, you're like, all right, like, I'm going to tell you like all my shit right now, lay everything mm -hmm. out here. And it's like, and then it's yeah. like, but like, what about, and I, I know it's like, it's funny. It's like, what about you though? It's like, that's not how it, how it works. You know, like, I'm yeah, not gonna, yeah, yeah. that's not what we're doing, but it's like, it makes it more, you know, yeah. relatable. And I feel like when I hear, like, I, I, I get that though, of having that fear of like, I'm recording this and putting this out there. What if, you know, someone mm -hmm. hears this and is like, you know, like it looks at you and a then they way. judge me. Yeah. They and then they're like, you know, I, the, th the thing I was sharing, I'm so sorry to interrupt. No, you're fine. Um, yeah. but, but, but the thing that I, I shared with, uh, or I was telling myself and practicing that kind of compassionate talk was like, they're going to judge me anyway. Mm -hmm. It's like, mm -hmm. we, we can't help but do that. That's just kind of like how, how we are as humans is yeah. like, we, we assess, we judge, we try to figure it out. Um, and, and I do want to say that in terms of like, you know, if, if you go into therapy, you're strong. Mm -hmm. If you go, if you don't go into therapy, you're not like, I don't necessarily think that that's true, yeah. but I do think that there's a sort of braveness in going. Mm -hmm. and, and I do think there's a courage that it takes to go and a, and a sort of, um, like, like, I don't know, it, it's, it's a risk. <laughs> so, but, yeah. but, but I really believe that basically near everyone, everyone I've ever met, my family, my friends, my clients, my lo other loved ones, you know, like they're extraordinarily strong. Do they know that they're extraordinarily strong? Not always, but you know, I see part of my work with them is like sharing with, like showing them themselves. Yeah. It's like you went through X, Y, and Z, and you showed up here today to sit in front of me to try and dig deeper. Mm -hmm. It's like, what? Like, that is <laughs> incredible. Like, how, how in the world can somebody get through everything that you've been through mm -hmm. and still show up? Wow. But we do it every yeah. day. Yeah, I love, I love that. So, you know, if you, if you had someone who mm. was wanting to try therapy, but they mm. were fearful of you know, some kind of, some part of it, what would you say to them, to that person? That that's totally normal. Mm -hmm. That's what I would say is it's totally normal of like, there's a fear around certain things. I mean, many of the things in therapy, we, we often are sharing them for the first time. Mm -hmm. And anytime we're sharing them for the first time, it's like, you know, it's like a roller coaster. We could feel that like we're about to drop yeah. you know, kind yeah. of feeling. And then suddenly we say it and the person, you know, a, a, a trained therapist would have a response. And sometimes friends and loved ones can do this. Like this is, this is also like, uh, like 
is therapy the only route to have this kind of self-exploration? It's not. Mm. But is it a, is it a, is it like an effective one? I think yes, because the people who are sitting on the other side listening are, are going to, are trained basically to just listen and, and, and be accurate in their reflection back. It's not like to appease or make you feel better mm-hmm. or to um, do any of that. So I would say, yeah, if you're feeling afraid of any part of therapy, that's totally normal. And it's also totally okay to say so. Yeah, I love, I love that you say that because just to, to let that person know that that's, that's fine to have that. Cause I feel like sometimes they're like, Oh, like I shouldn't be afraid or I shouldn't be feeling that like this. But yeah. I love that you may, you know, bring up the fact that it's okay that you're, this is how you're experiencing this yeah. right now. And you know, that's, that's mm-hmm. fine. And I love how, you know, all of that works back mm-hmm. into making this, you know, continuing to work towards making these kind of conversations more normal. And by, by basically telling the person it's normal, you know, normalizing <laughs> yeah. mental health, like that's, yeah. it's normal to have yeah. whatever you're like experiencing in relation to that. That's fine because that's well, you, totally. yep. you know, and it's like, you're, that's your experience. That's, you know, the way that you're feeling. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like that, that needs to be said, you know, to make yeah. that okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just wanted to thank you, you know, for taking the time to, you know, speak with me and, you know, share all the stuff you shared today and really get into, you know, the, the awesome work that you do with your clients and, you know, the, the way that the the work that you're continuing to do in mental health is huge. And so I love it. I think it's great. You know, I was excited to chat with you like before this interview and now, so (laughs) Cynthia, I just wanted to say thank you so much for, you know, doing this. Oh my gosh, Paris. Thank you for having this platform for me to do it in. Thank you so much. Yes. This is awesome. Really, <laughs> I'm really. excited. I'm so, I'm excited, but, th- but thank you so much as well. Again, again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This thank you. Thank you. Thank great, you. great one. And I'm excited to um, put this episode out there and let everyone hear about this and, you know, all your advice and tips and everything, but all right, guys. Thank you so much for listening, whether it is the morning or the nighttime, whatever time it is that you're listening to this. I hope that you have a good rest of your day and good weekend or whatever day it is for you when you're listening to this. Yeah. So, all right, everyone. Um, goodbye, guys. And goodbye, Cynthia. Bye. Bye. <laughs> All right, guys, that is the end of this episode. I hope you enjoyed this one as much as I enjoyed creating it. As always, if you guys would like to get in touch with me to talk about becoming a guest or to share your thoughts on this episode with me, you can do that in a number of ways. You can shoot me an email to crookedillness at gmail.com. You can send me a DM on Instagram at crookedillness, or you can message me on my Facebook page at crookedillness as well. I hope you guys have a beautiful rest of your day and thank you so much for listening to Crooked Illness.